0: Two Tassie Teachers Talking acknowledges Tasmanian Aborigines as the traditional owners of this island, Lutruwita. We are recording this episode at Nipalula, the country at and around Hobart, country of the Muanina people. We honour those old people and all the original people of Lutruwita and the Tasmanian Aboriginal community of today who remain owners of these lands. Hello and welcome to our podcast called Two Tassie Teachers Talking. I am Adam, DJ James, and with me is James MC McLeod. G'day, MC. DJ, how are you? I'm really well. How are you? Sunny days. Sunny days are here.
1: Yeah, no, there's no stopping it now. It's just going to be beautiful weather right through until what?
0: Tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you this fix afternoon. it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Until yeah. 20 minutes from now when we'll need our raincoats once more. Welcome back to the podcast. It's been a little bit of time since we've recorded, but we're very pleased to be back in the studio today. And today we're going to talk, MC, about storytelling. Would you like to introduce our guest to help us?
1: Yeah, well, we're really fortunate to have Alison Farmer joining us in the studio today. Alison,
2: welcome. Hello. It's lovely to be here, especially to talk about this wonderful topic, storytelling.
1: Storytelling. Now, perhaps before we get stuck right into that, Alison, would you like to just tell us a little bit about what keeps you very, very busy at the Hutchins School?
2: Okay. Well, I'm lucky enough to be an English teacher at Hutchins and I teach English in years 10, 11 and 12. And I really enjoy doing that. One
1: other job that perhaps you have a little bit of time and thought to each week, you're head of the English and Modern Languages Faculty. So how many people are involved in your faculty?
2: There's eight teachers.
1: Okay, right. Is it? It seems like a lot more when we're in meetings because I'm really fortunate, Adam. I don't want to sort of exclude you or anything, but I'm fortunate enough to be a member of the English faculty as well. We consider ourselves pretty lucky because Alison is a really, really good leader. And so that's why today when we start talking about storytelling, I'm pretty sure we're going to get some really good ideas and and thoughts and uh, contributions from from Alison.
0: I actually consider myself a bit of an honorary English faculty member because one time I came and helped out a little bit and decided I liked the people so much that I'd like to also be part of their faculty as well as science.
1: And we were happy to welcome you. And say goodbye, yes. No, 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 you've remained an honorary member. I
2: think, think Adam, you've helped out a lot more than once.
1: Maybe three times. Maybe many many times. And the other thing is I think it might just all sort of dovetail into what we're talking about today because I see you as a teacher of science sees the importance of language I do. Uh, and storytelling in all teaching,
0: not just in English teaching. Oh, yeah, okay. absolutely. So I, I wanted to throw to the floor, what makes a good story?
2: Well, for me, a story is something that really means something to me and I get a sense that, whoa, that could have been me yeah. or what would I have done? when I read that story or listen to that story. And it's something that connects me with other people and ideas and other experiences because I am a rather humble person in wonderful Tassie and I haven't done all that much that's amazing. But my goodness, I've read some amazing stories and there's always something that I can relate to and take away from and carry with me. So meaning is the really big thing for me.
0: I don't mean to be contrary at this early stage in our, <laughs> in our recording, oh, no. but I, I will say that if I need to concede that I've helped more than once the English faculty, then I, I think we might need to ask you to concede that perhaps you're a great big fan of Alison Farmer standing right here. Oh,
2: thanks. So thanks you very go. much.
0: You're very welcome.
1: Yeah, I'll endorse those comments too. I, I do think that uh, in our humble faculty meetings and our, when we talk about our English teaching, it's amazing how quickly we get to big ideas and important things. That is just arising out of, and perhaps it's, as you say, in all forms the things we're reading, the things we're reading with our students, the stories that teachers and students bring to class or bring to our faculty meetings and so on. And of course, the many storytellers that we have at school and perhaps within the community, of course, as well, we're all often relaying stories that we've been told. And Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and it gets to the big ideas. And as you said, it's that idea, I suppose, whether we have to, and whether our students have to experience something to be able to contemplate it and understand it, or whether they actually can gain a great understanding or knowledge about something by reading it or hearing it in a story.
2: I absolutely believe that they can. I really do and that is a big wonderful gift of a story that you can experience something meaningful, you can build a connection with others by hearing a story. There's something really pure about it that it distills our experience into a meaningful form. And that's probably when you said what makes a good story, I think form is the ability to put structure into sometimes big, deep or even traumatic or totally joyful experiences is the real skill. And that when you're experiencing those things, it might be overwhelming or amazing or you don't potentially understand the full impact of them at the time. But if you carefully craft it into a story, I think that it can really reach into the hearts and minds of others and be meaningful and other people can relate to it.
0: Talking about structure there, you just sort of mentioned, is there yeah, I'm a humble science teacher, but is there some sort a lot of... of humility. <laughs> yeah. really a humility. This is humility podcast. <laughs> I don't mean to brag, but I'm very humble. Uh, <laughs> structure, is there a way to explain a little bit of what a structure of a good story might look or feel like? Tough question. It is a
2: tough question because I think there are really multiple ways in which you can do that, but to carefully consider it is absolutely essential, I think, to be a good story writer. And uh, I'm a big fan of backward design and you sort of think, what do I want to end up with people understanding or feeling and then kind of work back from that and what might be the best way. I'm also a big fan of the number three and I think that a beginning, a middle and an end is a fundamental rhythm of our lives and the way that you use those three steps can be quite varied. So you can sort of build up to a dramatic finish or you can give a little clue at the start and there's a lot of variations. But James, you would have some experience in terms of structure with teaching English writing.
1: There are fundamentals that perhaps we should always be conscious of and if we're not going to follow those, we perhaps want to make sure we're not doing that for a good reason. All my students have just finished their English writing folios and I just can't get over the scope the mm. different ways mm. these guys have told their stories mm. and how effective they all are. And I think a lot of the effect and success of a, a good story comes from just how genuine the writer mm. is with their material, how connected they are, how grounded it is and how invested they are with the idea. And so therefore they don't want to be following a recipe where we have to say, look, you have to start here and then you have to, you know, because I think their stories tell the owner, whoever's going to tell it or write it, how it ought to be told. The story sort of starts to exist and evolve and you get this idea, oh, this is how this one will go. And that's why people, I suppose a lot of writers are very successful in writing to a recipe. But I don't necessarily think that that is what we would be looking for in our classrooms and it's probably not what we look for as readers either or listening to people tell the story. We don't want to hear the same recipe with just some different content put in it. We're interested in different ways and, yeah, that's what, it's, uh, that's what I'm, I'd be hesitant in trying to instruct someone that this is how a story ought to be structured. Mm.
2: On other podcasts where people interview writers, I've heard the writers say that the characters took over the story and they told Speak the writer what, what needed to be said and how and when. And I've also heard a lot of different versions of working, so some people have meticulously planned things and other people are more organic. So I agree mm. there's no one way. And you also said about being genuine I think probably for me the other part of storytelling is empathy and that I love writers who obviously have a really good relationship with the people in their stories and that there's a kindness and perhaps a lack of judgement by the writer. as There's an acceptance of people even when they do things that aren't perhaps the wisest or <laughs> the that that produce the best outcomes. There's still something very human and an, an acknowledgement of the worth of the, the humanity of the characters, and I think that that comes out really strongly in good storytellers. That empathy, and then that translates to the audience having empathy and then building a connection. Yeah,
0: absolutely. In science, I I think there's a lot of storytelling. In science, And I don't know that everyone necessarily expects or sees that, but because it's a a written communication format, like we're going to explain this idea, communicate the whole thing, I think and instruct my students actually that there's a story to tell. So in an experimental report, I want them to tell me the story Mm -hmm. uh, and I want them to focus on those aspects of the story that are interesting, that they can get some meaning from. And I want them to to extract that. So I guess, in a sense, I often repeat the process. So they're doing uh, sort of against what you've just said, James, only in the science context. But we're doing the same story but with different experimental data Mm -hmm. and so different context. But we begin with what we're setting out to do. We explain all the things you need to know to be able to do that. Then we explain what we did, what we saw, what it means and what we understand from it. And so I, I find a lot of storytelling and often try to to coach my boys in the science classroom and to try and get them away from sort of the silos that I think we have as a product of a timetable that says English will be learnt between 10am and 11am and then science will be learned from 11am to 12. I think they go together. I think all of our subjects are mm. complementary in that way. So I've definitely had some interesting conversations about storytelling in a science context with my students and that's been really good
2: in a way that is almost sort of like a testimony isn't it this is what we did and this is how we did it and this is what we understood from that i think there's there's such authenticity in that story yeah in that yeah, in that experiment you know we brought ourselves to this problem or this question this is the process we went through i think it must be really helpful for students to think of that as a storytelling and maybe take some of the air out of it or formality out of it perhaps?
0: Yeah, I I think maybe it speaks to the human condition. Hmm. I mean, we all enjoy telling a good story and we all enjoy, I guess, having an an audience to speak to. I know, MC, you're um, somewhat renowned for being a a bit of a storyteller. What's this? Uh, Yeah, no. uh, (laughs) You've got a reputation. (laughs) Once or twice you've told a story and, and they're usually always, they're always well received by your audience.
1: Yeah, sometimes I hear, we haven't done any work this lesson, we've just told stories. And of course, what we have done is we... If we believe what we've just said about stories is true, we've done a lot of work. That's just not necessarily something that's been written down. But we have used our storytelling to explore, you know, and where to from here, gain understanding and meaning from other people's experiences. Yeah, it's a it's a great form of learning. But as you said about the human condition, it's a such an important thing that we we do you know often the first communications we're having with our children Mm. when they're first born you know is we're telling them stories and we're reading them stories because they've got very limited scope of how you know where they're going to move and look and see and we're telling them all these stories and they're just my kids were just addicted to Mm. to hearing stories so I used to read a lot of really good stories to my students to my students to my to my girls but um we also used to make up stories um, yeah. about them mm. and uh, you know and i'm sure lots of people do that and it's it's a, it's a wonderful thing
0: i'm lucky to be in in a sort of position Similar to that now and uh, just over the weekend that we had, my daughters were both making up stories and reflecting back to me. We had some some vampire bats and some humans and when they met together they became friends and gained each other's special abilities. It was tremendous and through no input from me, I think my input might have been to turn the TV off. So then they had to do a bit of imaginative play themselves but it was wonderful to, to watch and mm. to be a part of their story. I think I was, I was cooking dinner and uh, the little bit came in oh. and asked if I could be the hunter. And to, to hunt them, I'm like, well, first, I, I don't want to hunt you. No, no, just a friendly hunter. Oh, okay, <laughs> oh, sure. Right. So yeah. it, was, uh, it was fantastic. Great oxymoron. Yeah. 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 Very, yeah, I mean, we haven't talked about all of the realities of life yet, but, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was good times.
2: Well, I remember our girls, James, acting out their stories at my house and at your house. Yeah. We've got daughters the same age and it's just delightful and never ending and the possibilities are endless. Um, And I did ask AFA mentor uh, about what they liked about stories. And many of them said that it was to engage your imagination, knowing, of course, that that's a really good thing. But I did ask them, why is that a good thing? And they said, well, people have different views on things and have different ideas. And when you use your imagination, you're able to express what those ideas are and we get a diversity. Mm. And I think that they're absolutely absolutely right. I was really, really happy to hear that.
0: When you ask someone to tell a story, what they actually do a little bit is reveal some of themselves in a way that perhaps if you ask them a question, they're more guarded and perhaps more confirmational to their expectation of what the group would want. But perhaps if you ask them a story, they might share more of themselves, do you think?
2: Potentially, yeah, that's true, but I think it's also not necessarily the case that you can make the assumption that the writer or the storyteller is revealing exactly what they think through the story. It's always good to recognise that it's a constructed tale and that it's not something natural, it's not something plucked off a tree or dug up out of the ground and that that might not completely align with what the storyteller is saying. They might be doing it for a particular effect to entertain usually and some other things as well.
0: Yeah, you were talking earlier about authors having characters feel almost separate to them, so mm. I guess you're saying consistent with that yeah, you can't make the judgments. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really
1: pleased you said that, Alison, because I was thinking about it a little bit earlier and that's the thing about this. We're not telling people what to think or, you know, and a a story shouldn't tell, Uh, really. It should... um, Offer up some
2: opportunities. Offer
1: up some opportunities and some ideas, experiences, and something resonates with the reader or the listener. And as you said, your boys in AFA said, everyone brings a range of experiences Mm. to that, so a range of understandings and responses... And we, we don't have to, I think something that perhaps with boys' education, I've found in teaching boys in English in the senior school, they're a little bit reluctant to take on a story or a poem or whatever it happens to be if they're going to be then asked to explain what it is all about. And am I going to get the wrong answer and I'm going to be told that that's not what it's about, it's about this. And I think we've got to make sure that we don't, we're not prescriptive in how people should respond to stories Uh because it's actually it's just having a response that's where the authenticity comes from or that's where the shared experience is Mm. and uh, second best thing is discussing your response to a story Uh without being told you're wrong Mm. yeah yeah Absolutely, and and
0: feeling safe to do
1: that. Yeah. yeah,
2: that's a that's a huge leap forward to when I was studying English because it was pretty much this is the answer and yeah. don't you get it wrong. You yeah. Know? yeah, and it opened out the understanding of the the really dynamic engagement between the writer or the the storyteller and the audience is it's just opened up so much more in terms of how we think and the connections that we can make and we can challenge what a writer has said, we can compare it to our own experience and it's... I agree, it's the second best part (laughs) because... (laughs) The first part, of course, is reading or enjoying the story. And I guess it wouldn't be being true to myself or to my wonderful job if I didn't mention Shakespeare. (laughs) And I think that for me, his true genius, that he creates stories that can be Rethought about and considered in different ways, you know, now for hundreds of years. And his most famous play, Hamlet, I can chart at least three very different responses that I've had to that story over my lifetime, from being a young woman saying, go Hamlet, stick it to the man, <laughs> to feeling, oh, you need to sort of get over yourself a bit here and get on with what you need to do, and uh, then to absolutely admire and respect him for trying to do an impossible job, to be as good as he could be in a terrible and impossible situation and being absolutely amazed by that dilemma. And I'm just one person and I've had three very different responses and, wow, you'd be happy to pay your money for getting that much out of it. Absolutely.
0: Well, that's the end of our time together today on Two Tassie Teachers Talking. Thanks for joining us, Mrs. Allison Farmer. We really appreciate your time and your insights. Listeners, if you'd like to get involved, have any questions, or there's something you'd like to us to talk about, you can email us using podcast at hutchins.tas.edu.au. That's it for today. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to talking to you next time.